Welcome to the show, Chuck Shoot Podcast. Thanks for checking us out. We got a great guest today, uh, comedian Andrew Slater. Uh, he is hilarious and has quite the resume, uh, ha- having written and performed sketch comedy for Comedy Central. He wrote for Norm McDonald's sports show. He's been on Last Comic Standing, Conan O'Brien. Uh, you get the idea. He's, he's done some cool stuff, but more importantly, he's funny. Uh, I watched a lot of his clips and listened to his comedy album, The Great Baxby. Uh, really clever stuff, well-written, hilarious. Uh, and I watch a lot of comedy, so I know what's funny and what's not funny. And uh, he's got some great stories to tell on this podcast. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew Slater. I said it right. I know that because I, I did my research and I it's not a hard name to pronounce. It's just spelled interestingly, right? Yeah, it's uh, spelled like uh, S-L-E-I-G-H-T-E-R and... I swear it was like, I would always spell it out to people and people want to say slider, you know, I think. Yeah. EI. But then someone said, that, I, I think it wasn't until I was like college. Someone pointed out, I was like, oh, slay, like, like a slay. Yeah, there you go. Like S-L-E-I-G-A. And I was like, oh yeah, totally. So you should people use should that. be getting it right. Yeah. Yeah. But is there I'm a story just, about, just, as to why it's spelled that way? And because it, it's usually it's S-L-A-T-E-R. Yeah. There's a boring story. I think oh. it's like, uh. German in origin, and then oh, it was okay. like Schlichter, and then it got changed at Ellis Island to that. Like someone heard Schlichter and Sass wrote down those letters, and then okay, I don't know. Then people were saying it Slater, and then that's just oh, gotcha. Uh, you know, okay. So yeah, yeah that's so it. that's your your origin from the name, and then you were born. Uh, I think this is kind of an interesting story. Your 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 parents were like done having kids, like they had sold the crib and all the baby toys, and then surprise like you can't is that kind of what happened or yeah well a little almost you almost got it so like basically what happened was i was planned but oh, you I were was planned. such a bad i was planned but then i was such a bad kid like as a baby and a toddler i was horrible screaming crying protesting everything <laughs> that they wanted to do that they they sold that's when they're like this sucks we don't need any more kids oh okay so, so you're sold, <laughs> All the equipment based on my poor behavior. They're like, it's not worth it to have another kid. We don't want to do this. And then my younger brother, Mark, who was born five years after me, oh. he was a, he was the like, whoops. But oh, then he okay. Ended up being an easy baby, so oh. they made the right decision. But, okay. So yeah, that's almost worse than than than. Uh, yeah, it is worse. Okay. It's totally worse than what you were describing. Right. I was like convincing them that it's not worth it to be parents, but yeah, yeah, I was a bad. I was like a picky eater. You know, I throw tantrums and and uh, like epic long. Tan- I was just really bad, and then I I mellowed out pretty good though. So yeah, you know, because I can't even picture that. Like all the interviews I've heard, you seem like a really mellow dude. Like you don't, I can't picture yeah. you like mad. Do you get mad now? Like do you have adult tantrums, mantrums? Yeah, mantrums. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, do, but I, I'm better at like with like keeping it to myself. Actually, no, what happened was like. I think maybe I don't know when it happened, but now I hate conflict. Like I don't like mm. I don't like conflict. Like you you see those videos on the news of like with the masks, people getting in fights and stuff. I, I would never I would just run away from that situation every time. I can't stand like conflict. So mm. I don't know when mm-hmm. it switched, but I did a total one eighty in my life where I was very like 
you know, looking for conflict all the time. It was very competitive, mm. you know, like every sport, every game, I would throw big fits if I didn't win. And I've lost that completely. Now I'm like, whatever. Even with like, sometimes really? I, think I should go back like with my career and stuff. I was like, yeah. I should be a little more ambitious. You know, <laughs> I should get some of that competitive spirit back. But I was like, ah, I don't know. It's life is short. You know, is there I mean? a correlation? Like, did you start smoking weed at some point or like, did you discover it? Cause I, no. okay. Cause I had a friend that was no. like that and he was in high school. He was, and, and we were kids, he would have these epic tantrums. And then I think he discovered beer and ever since then he's been fine. Oh. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Could if that be other, beer. Yeah. Could be beer. Is okay. that weed though? I, I, I was talking about this with my wife. Like, you know how uh, people have all these drug stories and I never have any good ones mm-hmm. because I just haven't done drugs that many times. And I, and I, want to say it's because like i was like a had a good conscience and but it's really people just didn't offer it i don't know there's something about drugs where it's like you have to put out a vibe to even get offered yeah first, you know i think that's and i i feel like i, I was always putting out this narc vibe or something because i was like looking back at my <laughs> yeah. life like i didn't even have that any opportunities to did you cocaine. have the mustache I mean, before when you because then it goes, no, no. okay because that definitely would be like oh that looks like a cop undercover cop <laughs> i know and i had this mustache before the pandemic like right before mm. but still no no like mm. after shows and stuff nobody yeah. ever went out of their way to be like hey man you want to go uh, well you were pretty be, always- yeah before the mustache you were really clean cut like you did not look like you know if you had had like a goatee and long hair or maybe yeah, some or yeah. tattoos or something i think it's deeper than that you know i think it's like uh, like an essence you're just putting out into the world Okay, and I think I put out a very, very lame sort of (laughs) this guy. He can't even stay up late enough. There's nothing about this guy that says cocaine. This it all says he just he doesn't even want to do the late show. That's what my vibe is. No, right to be in bed by the late show. (laughs) Oh, so so yeah, you're you're from Seattle, same as me. You went to uh, Nathan Hale High School, and so it was interesting. I was looking at Nathan Hale, and I was like, you know, who went to Nathan Hale High School was Macklemore. And it was like the same time. Did, or did you ever run into him or was it? Yeah. No, I did not. Now, oh, it's a little, okay. I think I knew my, like there's some connection, like his brother or cousin or something, my brother on the baseball team, something like that. Okay. But he actually only went to Hale for a short period. Right. Then he went like to he Garfield. Around yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I never really knew him. Uh, Nathan Hale is a crazy place, though, because they were like, uh, insane that we i was on the basketball team we were insanely right. historically bad they were bad the entire time i was there bad after i was there because it's a city school but in more of a white neighborhood it's it's pretty diverse but not like like garfield or um garfield wasn't in our division but like uh rainier beach or they had uh more black kids so they were way better at basketball wait what is and, that you can't say that that's I racist know. isn't it I'm not breaking any, uh, I hope I'm not st- trading in any stereotypes here, but I'm willing to go out on the limb that that was the reason why they were a lot better than us. Well, and you played football. Historically, they have more of a basketball legacy. Okay. What about, what about football? Were they, you played football, right? We played football. We were a little better at football than okay. basketball. But then what happened at Hale, Hale got famous again because uh, Brandon Roy, who is a, uh, former NBA player. He went to Garfield. He wanted to have the head coaching job after his NBA career Mm. at Garfield. They turned him down. So Mm. he took the job at Hale and then they got all the best recruits in the country for one year, won every game and the state title. But then after that year, Garfield took Brandon Roy back and then Nathan Hale went right back to 
Oh, that was a Freudian slip. White back into <laughs> oh, God. Uh, obscurity. And oh, that's bad. now they're, but there's just going to be this one banner hanging in, in the gym. And yeah. Ethan Hale. And I would go, wow, they must have practiced really hard that year. They must have. Well, no, it's like you boy. said, they got these recruits. Like, aren't they not supposed to have recruits at school? Like, but Bellevue does the same thing with football. Like, Bellevue is always really good at yeah. football. It's a high school. Like how it's like these people move into those neighborhoods yeah, and this, it's sketchy, the, right? The, yeah, the one guy, he plays for the Nuggets now. I can't remember his name, but he he was the big star and he was like from Missouri or something. Mm. And just, you know, it's like you put down some second cousin's address to like visited Seattle one time and then you <laughs> It reminds <laughs> me of that episode of 90210 where Andrea Zuckerman like she didn't really live in 90210, but she like put her grandmother's address or something. I don't know if you watched that show. I just might've just dated myself. Yeah. No, no, no. That one. Yeah. I, I probably saw a few of them, but yeah. I don't know. So didn't you, did you, is it true? You broke your nose playing high school football too. And they, they had to like, tell me the story. Cause it sounded so, it was like the most pain you'd ever felt. Right. It sounds yeah, horrible. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yes. I broke my nose. I was, I did play high school football. I was, uh, we were doing like those, pass rushing drills you know and i was oh it's just a drill lineman at the time yeah just a drill oh this kid i remember his name was joel bruce i didn't have one of those those uh you know the face masks yeah 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 i like to be able to see you know i didn't have a bar in between okay so this kid joel bruce was like doing a spin move but i had him and you know he was spinning in place because i was good at blocking but he spun his elbow through that spot broke my nose but it was so funny because i i you know, I, my nose was bleeding and I went over to the trainer and he just stuffed cotton in it and sent me back out, you know, and then the cotton just bled all the way out completely. Oh. And I went back and he goes, oh, yeah, that's broken. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, maybe do the whole evaluation the first time. Right. Goddamn trainer. And then you didn't have to reset it or something. It sounded. Yeah. So- OK, so if anybody ever breaks their nose, just go right away. Because they'll tell you like, oh, wait for the swelling to go down mm. and then we'll reset it. But they'll say like, wait three days. But that's way too, don't wait. Err on the side of not waiting because mm-hmm. your nose will set. You yeah. Know I mean? It'll start oh, to heal sideways okay. and then oh. they'll have to go in and re-break it. And oh. that hurt way more than the initial oh, breaking it. Because then he just had the back end of a scalpel up there just leaning oh. on it trying to re-break it the other way oh that's so rough modern medicine it's it's funny when you go to the hospital or whatever and you're like oh we really haven't progressed all that far from like dr quinn medicine woman you know what uh, i mean like we're some of it yeah some things are very tactics. simple but then other things like my buddy his brother has leukemia and he's doing this whole like they're doing like almost like i don't know, it's like a they're getting like stuff out of his chest they're putting a drill in there to get this like stuff out of his bone i mean yeah. it's really crazy i'm like That's, wow that, yeah some stuff i guess but yeah, yeah. I, when in that moment i was like <laughs> that doesn't that sounds very barbaric for sure yeah that's crazy I was like there should be some more modern way to do it <laughs> absolutely so your football career didn't you didn't get a scholarship you ended up going to bellingham uh western you didn't that, you didn't play football there though yeah. did you not football related no no no, no. Just i was totally too small yeah. i was like uh athletically definitely a peak to like sophomore year high school probably because i was like big but then stopped being big as kids got older and then by my senior high school i was not i was just like a normal dude right and so that was not going to get me into college football sure so with my skill set yeah so you go to uh western and this is where you first tried stand-up right was there something uh, somebody that inspired you to do stand-up like had you watched a lot of stand-up or what were your well like what were your comedy influences 
Yeah, I definitely watched a lot of stand up. You know, I had people tell me you're funny. My like my friend Jason, mm. you know, would always tell me I should be a comedian or whatever. And but it it had to be people who knew me pretty well. I wasn't like like I said, I, I wasn't like big life of the party guy or anything. It's more like with close friends. Funny. Okay. And uh, then definitely just watched a lot of stand up, and there weren't podcasts back then. You know, it's funny. Like this was more like. 16 17 years ago whatever it wasn't like now where everyone knows how to get into stand-up right like sure, everybody yeah. knows there's five billion ways you can go listen to people tell you exactly how they started and right. what to do and go to open mics and be nice to bookers all that stuff that wasn't around back then so i didn't really think of it as a career choice i just i was shocked that there was an open mic where they just let me do it which and it was a mixed arts you know right it wasn't a strictly stand-up open mic it was like you had like right. poets and beat poets and musicians and all sorts of stuff right yeah and even worse i was the only stand-up oh the only on the stand-up okay so, so so nobody was ready for that and and it was horrible and uh the guy afterward is i remember this as bad as my set was the guy afterward comes on and goes that reminds me we should bring back the gong like <sighs> used to do a gong show. Yeah, that's so rough. I mean, that's that's, great. that's the thing. If you do, because I've done open mic stand up and like they kind of know everybody sucks. So it's like nobody really like is mean to each other because like everybody, even the best yeah. comics will go up there and eat shit because they're trying new stuff. So, well, and even, yeah, like comedy is, I always say this is a very fragile thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it needs very perfect conditions, mm-hmm. the sound, right. the ceilings, the lighting. And everyone's got to be kind of buying in that they're there to see comedy or else it becomes a very difficult obstacle. And if you're a big professional, you can overcome that. You know, you can turn a room who's not ready for comedy into it. But if you're an open micer, definitely go somewhere that's for comedy, like a comedy club, I would say. Right. So you you leave Western, you get your degree in, uh, I think it was journalism, and then you get, you, you wanted to work in the papers, but even back then in the early 2000s, the papers were kind of dying out. So you took a radio job and you had to work 2 a.m. To, to 10 a.m., the radio shift. Tell me about yeah. that. I've done those midnight or those, uh, what do you call them, graveyard uh-huh. shifts. Those things, that is an awful time to go to work. Because how do you time it? Did you... Did you just try to stay up all night and then go to bed after work? Or do you go to bed really early and then wake up at 2 a, at 1 a.m. or whatever to go to work? No, it's, and I'm glad you brought that up because it, to me, it really was the worst possible eight-hour chunk. Like yeah. if it was from 1 a.m. to 9 a.m., I for sure probably just would have stayed up all night, sure. gone to work, and slept after. But 2 a.m. to 10 is such a risk. It's like, do you just go to bed like at 8 o'clock mm-hmm. and try to get up? Yeah. And so what happened was I did both Okay. because I wanted to do stand-up at that time so i would go some nights i would stay up i'd do the show and then i'd stay up till i had to go to work and go to work but then that you can't do it both ways because you become a wreck you need like Mm -hmm. the schedule so it was just bad but i used to go and i'd be the only person in the room like especially on weekend shifts they literally i'd be the one guy at the day it was cairo radio yeah uh 7 10 a.m at the time and they were uh they i would be like the only person in the whole building like at the desk and I used to, I could see the space needle from, we had a good view from yeah. where our building and I just look at the space needle. And I just kind of like, man, if it just fell down right now, <laughs> I, and this was before Twitter, you know, it was like, right, I, yeah. could, I would have to go on the air. Yeah. Like there's nothing you'd they get could the do. scoop. Would be like, you'd be the first one. I there. would have to be the one. Yeah. So I just witnessed the space needle yeah. fall down. <laughs> So I used to think about stuff like that. And then didn't they send you to, 
they sent you to cover some protest, but like the protest oh, didn't yeah. happen. And then the, your producer's like, that's the story. And then you're like, well, right. you can't do a story if there is no, like, I like what you said, what you said, the line was like, you can't do a story that aliens didn't land on the earth. <laughs> right. No, I, no, that's exactly right. So I, I, uh, she sent me to do a protest. Nobody showed up. It's like, we'll do a story about how no one showed up to the protest. <laughs> Which, by the way, yeah. this sounds very weird in 2020 to say no one showed up to the protest. Right? That yeah. Be nice that, if, we could do, if we could have. I that wish that up? was the case. Yeah, that would yeah. be nice. No one's storming the Capitol this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's that's what she told me to do. And then I did a bit about it. And I was like, imagine a whole newscast, and you're just saying things that didn't happen. You know, like <laughs> aliens didn't attack right. today. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned. So, because uh, was there supposed yeah, to be a big protest? felt bad she sent me all the way out there so all right yeah there was supposed it's to supposed i forget to be, what it so was that, even yeah. for to be honest with you well, I, I re- yeah i remember yeah, there was supposed to be something back it was it the uh god what was it there was some protests in the early 2000s in seattle i remember seeing like and now it's like i've seen so many of them i'm like oh it's just another protest but back then i think it was the first one i saw i was like what is going on it was something about the yeah. trade deals or something i, I can't oh, remember oh yeah the wto right wto yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it was i was yeah, yeah. i was in high school i remember and, and kids went down there you know to because they wanted the ruckus and all that but that seems quaint now yeah right know? isn't that crazy that was so long ago yeah. so so you're doing stand up and, and then you're or you're doing stand up in seattle you started at giggles so how how many years did it take of doing that there must have been a lot of like bombing and bad nights and, and you just kind of persevered and kept going, right? Yeah. So um, I got kind of lucky in a lot of ways. But one way is that comedy, you know, everybody knows now comedy is much more diverse, which is great and more open to people. And But I think at that time, it wasn't just that it wasn't as diverse. It, it wasn't even popular. Like to be a hmm. comedian – like I said, with the podcast and stuff, yeah. there just weren't that many comedians. Like I would go to open mics at Giggles in a big city like Seattle at the one of the only two comedy clubs. I think there might have been two or three at the time. And there would be like four comics, you know, on a Thursday mm. night, eight o'clock. And there'd be a crowd of like, you know, 30 to 40 people and maybe four to eight comics would show up when I first started. When you just think of it, you say that to comics now or people listening to this who've been to open mics, and that'd probably blow their mind because they go to comic clubs and 50 people show up to, and, they, and half of them get on the list, you know? Wow. So I ended up getting so much stage time starting out because not only did I was I going to the comedy club, that comedy club had the rougher reputation. I went because you could go as an 18, you didn't have to be 21. There was a comedy underground downtown where I thought, they had a they said 21 and over so i figured you had to be 21 turns out if you're a performer you didn't have to but oh so yeah. i didn't go to the company underground at first i would go to giggles all the time and i got so much stage time just like big huge chunk 20 minute chunks way before i had 20 minutes you know wow and i just stretch and stretch and that was good in a way it allowed me to bomb like you said and just kind of fight through and develop material and but then on the other hand you do like you can develop some bad habits too you know Hmm. if you have too much time so uh, ultimately though i think it sped along my development Development? sure how like how often were you doing comedy work and like three days a week or four days a week or well in college i would drive by the time i was a senior in college i basically lived in seattle i would drive down i'd like set up all my classes so i'd be like thursday tuesday through thursday and then i I would drive down to Seattle Thursday, do the open mic, try and get on the weekend shows, 
do the Sunday wow. mic, and then try to do some sort of Monday show and then drive up Tuesday morning. That and that was every week set it up. through college. That was like by my senior year. Oh, I think okay. Before that, it was more occasional. But by my senior year, it was almost. And then the second half of my senior year, I interned in Seattle at the radio station. So I was like nonstop. Oh, perfect. Every that's, night. Yeah, that's nice. And then after after that, when I was working, I, you know, I tried to go up every night if I could. Did you end up writing for a newspaper at all? Did you ever get a job doing that, though? Or? Not a newspaper. No. no. I worked at the radio station. And then by the time they were going to offer me a full-time job, uh, I... I moved to Boston, but I yeah. got away from it. Yeah, tell me about that. You moved to Boston for a brief period. Did you do uh, comedy there, or did you like go to the Goodwill Hunting Bars, or did you have any cool experiences in Boston? <laughs> like, what what drew you to Boston? Yeah. Well, uh, mostly I was running away from the idea of like working at that radio station <laughs> for life, because they offered me that. You know, they offered me the full time position, and yeah. I had to have a reason to say no. I didn't have any other job <laughs> offers. I had no it would be insane to turn down like health insurance and stuff. So yeah. I'm like, oh no, I'm moving to Boston. And they're like, why? And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> have some experiences. So huh. no, but my friend, Brian Moot, who was a comedian, I started sure, with, yeah. he had moved to Boston to get his master's degree at Boston college. And he kind of was like pulling on me a little bit to move out there. I think mostly oh. because I had a car and he wanted a car out there, so he wanted me to move out there so I could drive him to stuff. Okay. But he, and he could reason. borrow the car. But yeah, so basically once I got to Boston, I just did comedy. I just dived into the comedy scene. Did it for about a year. Made some great friends. Some of my best friends in comedy still were from that year. Which comedians? And, uh, never, uh, never got a real job, but. Uh, which comedians did you meet in Boston that are like Boston comedians? You didn't like that was was that around the time Bill Burr was? Is he, isn't he from Boston? No, 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 no. He was long gone by then. Oh, okay. Uh, and even like guys like Joe List. He had yeah. moved to New York before I got like right before I got there. Oh, I okay. think um, the guys I knew were like Josh Gondelman and John Ozilay and Dan Crone and uh, Dan Bolger. And those were those were kind of my Boston friends who I still, you know, talk to today. And nice. they were all and Jenny Zagrino. Is, uh, oh, yeah. I've, I, She's doing really yeah, well. Yeah, I just yeah, had her yeah, on. She was there at the time. She's Ahmed hilarious. Barucha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jenny's great. She's so funny. And. Uh, yeah, so there are lots of great comics. It was a really talented scene. And that's what I said about oh, and Shane Moss, too. Shane Moss is so funny, and he was still there, I think. But the um, what was great was that, uh, it, like I said about the stage time, it was much shorter. Once mm, you got to Boston, it was like okay. tight sets. Yeah, minutes, so you minutes, learned to you know? tighten up. You had to tighten up. And then when I moved back, everyone in Seattle had this compliment for me. They're like, oh, my God, you're, you know so tight now you know what i mean like there's so many more jokes Mm -hmm. per minute and that was for sure the the boston influence do you know like i don't i mean i've listened to your comedy album and stuff but i've never seen you and i've watched clips of you online but i've never like seen you live and uh, do a set so do you do you have your pre-planned material and then you kind of like riff a little with the crowd or you just go through your material the whole time uh yeah i i'll Especially now, I do a little more crowd work. I think okay. if you talked to me like five years ago, it's I was very much just like, I just want to do my set. You know, I want to do it the way I want to do it. And, you know, if something happens, like somebody falls over, has a heart attack or something, I'll address it. But I don't, I'm not looking for that. Now I do just to like, I think my wife <laughs> has been a good influence on me with this, but it's she's all about like being in the moment. And she's always, yeah. telling me like, you know, be in the moment. If, you know, if you, what's happening right now feel and don't just recite your jokes, you know, really feel it. Think about what you're saying. And obviously you have pre-planned material, but be 
feel it as you're sure. saying it. Do you have and, pre-planned uh, like uh, responses if certain things happen, like if a cell phone goes off or a, a no, tr- you know, no, that, no. I, I refuse. I don't have any canned lines. Canned lines, like, I guess. Would say. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like if somebody, you know, oh, is this your first beer or something, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't have. <laughs> maybe I should. It works. I like that. But no, I, <laughs> I don't have anything like that. I try to. I enjoy those moments for the fun of trying to you know, like I said, being in the moment and trying yeah. to come up with something naturally that's, that meets the moment. Well, yeah, and I do a little yeah. bit more of like just talking to, you know, a little bit more into the crowd now than I, than I did before. Just cause I find it's a way to re if you find yourself <clears throat> drifting mm. and you're, and you're kind of just sing song in your act, it's a way to kind of reconnect to what's happening in the room right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so you moved to LA in uh, 2010. And then uh, I know you've told this story on several podcasts, but if you could tell it for my audience, um, the central casting story, you, you, you signed up for central casting. You didn't get a call for two years and then they, then you get the call. Yeah. So, yeah. So if people don't know, central casting is basically like, it's not for the actual actor. It's for people, background people, extras, extras, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the idea I thought was that they would just call me every day and be like, hey, do you want to come down to the yeah. valley? It's, you know, you get a hundred bucks and lunch. And I thought, okay, I'll just do that every day. And I was like, LA is easy. You know, why don't people, why doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> you know, I'll make rent at least. <laughs> yeah. Have gigs and then I won't go or whatever. But it's not like that. Of course, it's like you have to really fight for like the good extra work or whatever. And I, so I never got anything. I would never call. You're supposed to call them or whatever. But one um. time they called me. I didn't know what it was and I show up and they're like, uh, who are you supposed to be? You know, they were asking me <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Yeah, you, know? you called me and I, I'm Andrew. I'm a comedian. I don't want to be here. What? <laughs> Just tell me where to stand, you know? No, but be, like, boy, no, before that, before, because first you oh. didn't, you, you turned them down, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. there was so, a Seahawks like, game and you're, I love this part cause I'm a Seahawks yeah. fan too. And you're like, no, oh, yeah. there's a Seahawks game. I'm not going <laughs> to. It was a Seahawks game. And you know which game it was? It was they, they really wanted me for some reason. They called. And like I said, this hadn't never happened. They would never mm-hmm. call me. And they re- they had called me and they're like, can you do it? And I said, sure. Yeah. But then I remembered that Seahawks game. It was Thursday night football. That's why I forgot. It was yeah. Thursday night and they're playing the 49ers. Right. And if you remember, it was probably like, God, 2015. We lost. It was on the road. Oh. and It was an ugly game. And we lost. I remember because I actually got to watch it. But. So I tried to turn them down, but then yeah. they called me back and they're like, we really need you. And they offered like twice the money. <laughs> and that's when I told them I that, been... uh, yeah, I just never I, before, before I used my grandma dying as an excuse, right. you know, I said, oh, I, cause I didn't want to say the Seahawks. I, said, right. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't go. Yeah. And then they called back and was like, Oh, it turns out she was asleep. Was right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just funny that you like, you basically like renegotiated a higher salary as an extra. I mean, right. that's like insane. Like, if you learn anything from LA, it's just be, just be a prick, turn stuff down, say no, <laughs> act really? unavailable, okay. go over your time, be mm. a dick. If someone offers you a pre- premium spot, the laugh, you go, I got to think about it. I don't know if I want, and they'll want you so much more. Interesting. All that shit is real. Okay. It is all, if you really want to wow. be a success in LA, 
just you really gotta okay. some people have it in their bones see i huh. i would not have been able to do that unless it was literally true if yeah, the yeah. weren't actually playing right. Thursday night, i couldn't have faked it and yeah. said oh i don't think so i don't want to yeah. take that and had them renegotiate i have to have it it's in my genes like i'm just like a yeah sure i'll mm-hmm. do it you know what i mean like, yeah but if you can gin up that sort of ego and be like, I don't need this, you know what I mean? Or I want more or, I'm, or saying no is very powerful. Mm-hmm. It works. Yeah. And if you can do that, then move to LA because you'll be very successful. Right. So you, that's so what they, that's what they feed off of. Yeah. So you get, you end up doing the gig and the reason that they wanted you was because you're being, you had the d- perfect dimensions for the stand in. Right. I was, uh, it was the um, great. They were like, who are you supposed to be? Like I said, I told mm-hmm. him I didn't know. And then they told me that I was Leo. So I was supposed to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, and I had, I don't know why, like, you know, I don't really look like him. I don't think, but I had like the perfect, I fit the jacket or something or right. the right height. I must be the exact same height and head shape. So they're like, well, this is the back of the head we need <laughs> This is <laughs> because they were reshooting all of Toby Maguire. It's for the great Gatsby. So they're reshooting yeah. all of Toby Maguire's, um, scenes that they did in australia but they had to reshoot them for whatever reason and i was really bad at it too like uh because i had to act right you had to like for the timing he had to have the lines so i was like giving him the lines and i had to put my hand on his shoulder and then the director is this uh boz lerman he's like a famous director. yeah it wasn't like the second unit director so this no. is like the real director of the film and i've since learned that i was supposed to be paid more because oh. I was receiving direction, but oh. I've, I'm still bringing that up with my SAG rep. Oh, but no. So this guy uh, puts, I'm not really, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> he, so he's like, I'm there's this part. I'm supposed to put my hand on his shoulder, Toby Maguire's shoulder and like reassure him. And the director's like, cut, cut, cut. And I figure he's going to talk to Toby. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, yeah, man. Tell this guy, we all want to go home, <laughs> <laughs> figure this shit out. But he talks to me and he's like, this is in just the most devastating note i think an actor can receive of which i i'm not an actor but this is what i imagine would be the worst yeah the director says to me he's like okay try it again but do it real <laughs> <laughs> like oh like, your hand couldn't that. act right yeah that's so how no, oh, no. that's got to be intimidating to have that big director and freaking toby mcguire i mean that's he's spider-man i, I mean know. he's you're acting with spider-man was that kind of surreal it was very surreal and he was very nice. I should point out, but I've sure. also like read in like vanity fair that he's like a dick too. To really? People. I don't know. I don't mm. know what to say, you know, but he was nice yeah. to me. So well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. He seemed like a good dude. So you did that. And then how did you get this job uh, working for Norm McDonald? I mean, that's amazing to that's to me. That's probably better than the, the working with Toby Maguire. Yeah, it was for sure better uh, <laughs> than working uh, with Tommy McGuire. But uh, oh, by the way, the whole the whole uh, upshot of that story of working at the for the extra thing—that's where I met my wife. Yes, that's literally that's she right was doing too. the same yeah. thing. And so my wife Heidi, <clears throat> who now uh, we have a baby together, she uh, was doing the same thing I was on set, and so that's where we met. But, you met in wardrobe, so, was it right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she actually got cut. She got sent home. She was like devastated. So what was your line to your what? Would you have a pickup line or what? How did you? What was? I the... didn't have a pickup line, but you know what it was? Is we were both comedians and she used to do stand up and now she mostly writes. But okay, uh, she um, 
we everybody else there were actors and we were comics mm. and there's just something about like that there was that nervous kind of crazy eye energy from the other actors who all thought like this is gonna be my big break you yeah know, this is a big moment for me and they were all uh, the, the extras you know but they were all actors in their profession sure and she wasn't and i wasn't and we just connected immediately i don't know mm. we're just eyes met and we we're like oh there's like i felt like comedian energy i was like oh there's someone i can talk to thank god Hmm. And then that's, that's kind of how we picked it up. That's very cool. That's awesome. So, so yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, but, yeah, so, so Norm McDonald, uh, you get a job at his, it, this is not extra. This is like, you're a, uh, is it a blogger or a writer? What, what was the title? Blogger, I'm not sure. Yeah. Blogger, so it was okay. a weird thing. Like um, I had a sports blog. I would, I was kind of like doing just writing kind of like onion style, satirical sports funny news things and it was just something to do and i and i uh my manager knew i had that and this job came up and like tosh.0 was like the show at the time yeah it is i think it's amazingly yeah it's great and uh they had like this insanely popular beyond just the show this insanely popular digital blog thing where they would share a lot of the viral videos that they had on the show mm. and so i think they were trying to recreate that so basically i was brought on to be a blogger on the show and do like what i thought would be like funny things to supplement the show online to the to supplement like the regular show you know but what ended up it was a great job it was so cool and and like norm was like the coolest guy ever and so funny and so nice and everybody who worked there was was pretty great. The only thing that was tough was like there was a clear separation. Like I worked for Comedy Central mm. and then like the writers more worked for like the show. Okay. And you could feel you could feel a little bit of that like I was getting direction from two different people a lot of the oh. times. And so it was kind of like a push and pull and I wanted to be more creative with the blog and funny you know because i thought i'm a comedian i'm not sure. like some internet blogger yeah but then you would get pushback like no just share these videos or just kind of like now they call them like aggregators i guess but that's like okay. they just kind of wanted that like a machine that would push out like viral stuff okay interesting so, so you then by the end i was yeah. submitting jokes and stuff and that oh. was my favorite part and and um got good feedback i mean that it was like like I said, the show only lasted a year, but it was. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so do you work experience. directly with Norm in any capacity, though? Or is it more like working? Yeah, with the like other... so. I would sit in on like the writers' meetings and like, uh, like I said, I got to pitch uh, monologue jokes and stuff. And um, I there was one pitch session where it was early on, and I think they thought they would use, incorporate us a little more into the actual show. And I had this whole yellow legal pad of ideas. And they said like, oh, yeah, because I kind of was pushing for it. I was like, hey, yeah. I want to push a lot of these stuff. And then like I got to sit down with Norm and it was Mike Gibbons as the executive producer. And I remember I got to sit down with them. And then you could tell that, that just two seconds before someone probably told him like, hey, this uh, guy is going to come in and pitch you stuff. And they're like, oh, God, we don't have. And so I did like the first two ideas. And then like I just could see on their face like. They're like, no, uh, we don't oh. want any of this. Like, how do we get out of this meeting? And then I like, <laughs> you do that thing where you start flipping through. Yeah. Like, oh, Trying God. to find the good oh, one. This yeah. is all terrible. These all seem so great <laughs> an hour ago. Yeah. And now they have nothing. Oh, no. So, yeah. But no, but Norm was actually, like I said, he was very, very sweet. And he watched my stand-up tapes. You know, he would watch really and uh, liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, uh, is he uh, told I... stories and was very easy to talk. Like, he was actually like 
the sweetest guy. Is he? Smart. Is he ever serious? Because like, I, ever whenever you see him in interviews, obviously in his shows and stand up, he's funny. And then in every interview, he's always hilarious. Like, is he ever? I can't picture him like being serious about something. Yeah, I think he's serious. I think he takes it all. You know, he wants to do a good show. He really cares, and he wants the jokes to be really good. And right, but I isn't he joking around the whole time earnest, in meetings you know? and stuff? Or yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, definitely like wouldn't take stuff the the stupid stuff too seriously you know and yeah i think um like he told this great story about how uh he did a sitcom i think it was the fox one where they he was like a old newscaster or something right a minute with stan hooper up north yeah yeah that one and uh maybe it was that one or a different one i'm not sure but anyway at Fox, they were like, they wanted him to have celebrity guest stars on the show. They were like, hey, you should have your famous friends yeah. on SNL come on the show. We'll boost the ratings. And he's like, I, and he would just, he just doesn't want to do that. He's like, no, no, no. I don't want to bother them. It's fine. Then one day he gets to the office and they're like, hey, uh, we got Eddie Murphy on the line. He's a big fan of yours. And he, he says uh, he wants to do the show. Ask him to do the show and he'll do the show. So he's like, oh, God, why did you do that? You know, that's awful. So he picks up the phone. He's like, and Eddie Murphy's like, hey, Norm, they tell me uh, got a new show. I'm a big fan of yours. I'd love to do it. If you say it's funny, I'll do it. You know, and Norm goes, it's not funny. <laughs> he bashes his own he show. And doesn't do it. Oh, that's yeah. that's awesome. He's, so, yeah. he's very genuine that way. Like, he's not trying to sell yeah, you. Yeah, so genuine. So, like, real. And then, like, I would remember, like, once he once the show started, it was actually great for me because I was such a big fan of his. Mm -hmm. I would love it when he'd go on Howard Stern or Letterman oh, or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, was my God, epic. new Norm, you know, TV spots. Yes. And, and all this stuff. He's going to have all this great material. And then, but then as someone who worked on the show, when you watch him do that, you're kind of like, he didn't mention the show at all because <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. he really doesn't care. You know, that's and, funny. And, and I, I don't know if it's that he doesn't care or if he doesn't, he would view it as kind of like a violation of huh. you know, Letterman and Stern are so great. He didn't want to come on there and sound like he's hawking this show. Oh. But as, but when I remember thinking at the time, I was like, man, I wish he would have mentioned it a few more times because uh, yeah, his yeah. new show is pretty he, funny on Netflix. The talk show. <laughs> yeah, no, his, that talk show is amazing. And the, the YouTube ones are great too. And right. Uh, yeah, there were so many. He had so many legendary writers on all yeah, those shows. Absolutely, so he, and then he gets the best talent because he's everyone loves him for sure. I think he's hilarious. And then another guy that I really love that you got to work with, Dennis Miller. Tell me about uh, opening up for him. Like, is uh, he is yeah, he like that? Not, is he like that in real life that's too? Because good of a story. It's well because he's I, so he's so smart and like verbose. Like he just says all these smart things, and even in interviews and stuff. But is he like that behind the scenes too, or is he? Is that well, all I'll like tell you this. prepped? I honestly can't tell you because I've, I opened for Dennis Miller, but I literally said zero words to him and we had no conversation. Really? We didn't talk the whole time. So that's kind of rare call. for comedy is, I mean, I hear like, I talk Very to bands rare. and bands that happens all the time, but with comedy, they say they usually share the green room. So that's kind of an, that's interesting. Yeah, It's very rare. And comics usually I've opened for a lot of big name comics. Sure. Usually they're, awesome about it and even if you don't know them like like this it's happened a few times for me where management just kind of puts it all together so like mm. i opened for david Vitell. david Vitell didn't know me but it's like his manager needed to get somebody and so they reach out to whoever and then somehow you show up and but he couldn't have been nicer couldn't have been cooler Love you know david very Tell, supportive yeah. and that was a great great night for me right 
the Dennis Miller thing was a different experience. Uh, so same deal where I just get a call, I think from levity or something like, Hey, do you want to do open for Dennis Miller? He's taping a new special. It's like so much money or this much money for two shows. And it was in orange County. So I was mm-hmm. like, easy. Yeah, of course. So I show up, but I think in fairness, before I tell the story in fairness to Dennis Miller, I think this happened because he was not under the impression that he needed or wanted a comedian to open for him. I think what he wanted was like a warm TV warm up person. What is that? So that's like before a game show they have, or any type of live audience television show, mm-hmm. they'll have like the view or anything like that. They'll have someone come out and go, Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, this is going to be a really fun live tape experience, but you got to be extra enthusiastic. So I w- if you can make some noise on this side of the room, let's hear oh. you on this side of the room and let's practice laughing. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. Oh. They're just trying to do all this bullshit to like get the crowd warmed up. Okay. Rather than a comedian just coming out and doing their act. Sure. is not what he wants. Very different. Okay. This was not communicated to me. <laughs> and so I went out and just started doing my material. Now sure. it was like, First of all, before I even get on stage, Dennis never, I can see him kind of, but he never acknowledges me, never says hi or nothing. And Mm. again, it's his special, whatever. He's got a lot going through his mind. But I get on stage and right before I go on stage, they're like, I was supposed to do 20. They're like, hey, Dennis is a little nervous. Just do 10. And I go, okay, I can do 10, whatever. And then right before I walk out, they're like, actually, just do five. And so as I'm walking out, I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. And I had to tell him about the fire exits. And I had they were like, put all this stuff in my head, like, you know, it's a live taping. So tell them yeah. no cell phones, all this stuff. Do they give you a red so, light to warn you when the five minutes? Because like, how do you count? Not that? just a red light, my oh. friend. Oh. They wrote on Dennis had a teleprompter okay. set up. And on the teleprompter, they said, wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was Ouch. like, one joke in. Oh. And it was 6 p.m. Wow. In Orange County with all these, you know, older, you know, conservative people. And so, yeah, it was going to take me a second. Yeah. more than a joke to get into it to get any progress but it, i was dead in the water and okay. then after that so i do my one joke i get what i the best laugh i think i'm gonna get i walk out and then dennis comes on and i'm and i have to bring him on so i do the big announcer voice mm-hmm. and get, come on you can give me more than that let's go dennis miller blah blah blah, blah. and then he comes out and he buries me Two jokes about, ah, it's always good standing backstage and hearing the first guy bomb before your big special. And he's, oh my God, are you serious? Not only is he burying me, he's burying me on tape. Like, I was like, (laughs) this is one show. He's already just like, well, we're not using this opening and just like taking the time to crush me. So, wait, that didn't make it in the final special, though, did it? They edited that out or used a different one? Okay. I think he's just, he's so good. He knows. Like, he's like, I'll just get it at the nine o'clock show. Okay. So, and then for the nine o'clock show, I was replaced. He had his oh, no. manager just wow. do. Yeah. So his manager came out and just did warm up. Like he okay. just like came out and did like what I was talking about. Like, okay. hey, this you still get, room, but in those things, like you still get paid, right? Oh yeah. And yeah. I think Dennis's manager, you know, said, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. It was a miscommunication. Yeah. That's not your you fault. Still get paid. Don't yeah. worry. We're just taking you off the second show, which normally I would have been like, great. I can go home shake this off. It's a funny story, whatever. But my father-in-law lives in Orange County. Oh, no. <laughs> he's a big conservative, so he loves uh, Dennis Miller. And I invited... And this is like... He had never seen me do comedy, right? Yeah. So I invited oh. him to the 9 o'clock show. I got him tickets. I was like, yeah. oh, this is going to make me look good. 
and and then I had to like I had to stay. Oh. I had to explain to them like, hey, and I said, I think it was like, oh, they cut me for time or whatever. Mm. And so he, I don't think he cared, but it was just a little embarrassing. Oh, uh, for sure. He probably still had a good time watching Dennis Miller, I guess. But geez, that's, oh, he loved yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure he loved it. Well, yeah, let's yeah. talk about a better time then. Conan O'Brien. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was so better. So yeah. you submitted tapes for this again. This is kind of like the central casting. It's like years later. Um, all of a sudden, like you're in, right? It's like, and then you bought your, you uh, brought your big entourage, and they're all there. But then this is interesting. So it's like. Because it does it makes makes you think about this. So you have all your friends there at the beginning, but then like when it's like gets it to be showtime, they have to go get in the audience and get ready, and then you're just like by yourself, and that's when you yeah. start to get like your nerves and you start like having thoughts in your head. So you start to get nervous. So like, what's going through your minds? Like like what is what is the mo- the scariest thing or worst thing that could happen on live TV? Like you forget a joke, you stumble over a joke, like you trip on the walk up, or you say a swear word. Like what's going through your mind? Yeah, I, ah, man, that's so true how you described it because I had this big, I was not that nervous when I had my, you know, my future, I think, have we gotten Beyonce? married by then? I think we were engaged. I can't remember. Uh oh. No, we were married. We were <laughs> oh, okay. married. So 2015, I know that. My wife that's... was there. Yeah. My wife was there, all my friends, and I'm not really nervous. You know, I'm, I'm having a good time in the green room, and you don't meet like Conan or, Andy Richter or anything before the show. Right. So you're, I'm just kind of hanging out. There are a couple other comics there who were just hanging out. I think they just knew other people on the show, whatever. What about the other so, guests? Is there other guests that you get to, you get to meet the other guests? Yeah, or the musical they're guests there, or? but I didn't know. One of them was an actress. She's a British actress. Okay. I forget her name. Mm. And the other guy was Thomas Middleditch, who is a comedian, but I didn't know him. Oh yeah. He's big, isn't he on the, yeah, he's uh, a big one of those star. shows. He's like on a lot of shows. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, so I, I, uh, um, but you're so right that everybody leaves yeah, and then it's just you standing backstage with like these two sort of union stagehand guys or whatever. And it's like, they don't have anything to say to you and you're just really alone. Yeah. And yeah. That's exactly, I think what's going through my head is like, what if I forget a joke? What if I forget a joke? Or what if I go blank or something? Right. And that, which is so funny. Cause it just never happened. Like I've done like a billion shows and it's just never happened. Huh? But that's what you're thinking about. Your mind then, plays tricks sure, on you. Yeah, but then I went out, I got my first joke out, got a big laugh. It was like such a relief. Because at that time too, like Conan was considered like one of the tougher late night shows as far really? as just audience reaction. Oh. Like some people could bomb. If you go back and look at like old right after he moved to TBS, if you look at those first late night sets, like mm-hmm. the studio was just different. Hmm. It was far away from the stage. And it was it was not there was no guarantee. It's not like Sometimes you watch Letterman, old Letterman's, and you're like, oh my God, they're crushing so hard. Yeah. You know? But do they, they do they ever pump in crowd noise though or like fake laughter or anything no, like that? So no, it's just real. Fact, yeah. And the booker <clears throat> told me too, he was like, hey, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like there's no right. like do overs. There's no, if somebody falls down or throws popcorn, you just deal with it and just do, you know, he, his advice was treat it like a real show. And just if something comes up, address it. But uh, don't we're not we don't do like retapes or do overs or anything. So so if you did swear, would they just they just mute it, right? They'd either bleep it out or they'd cut it. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. But my okay. guess is they would bleep it out unless it was like the content was super bad, and then they'd sure. probably just go, "We can't." But I mean, they know what you're gonna say. Like you have to get 
you send a you tape know, in, approval. right? That they, yeah. And so yeah. then after you do the set, do you, do you get to walk over and talk to Conan and shake his hand or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got to sit at the desk. I got like a cool picture and he, and he was very nice. We talked for a little bit and, um, uh, I think we talked about like uh, Seattle because his his wife is from Seattle. That's right. So about, That's right. He, li- yeah. he likes the Burt Gilman Trail, you know. So we talked about that, and you know, and Very he cool. was like, uh, he he's so humble about it. He was like, "Oh, this is your first." you know late night this is a big deal right i was like yeah yeah it's a pretty big deal <laughs> oh that's that's really nice so, that he like it's interesting yeah. that you know people like that can be so nice and then dennis miller can like not be and they're, yeah. they're both big stars but yeah it's interesting i know i i want to because i was like a big fan of dennis miller too and i yeah i want to just think that i caught him on a bad night or or he was just like oh yeah i think sure. he, he does strike me as like the guy he's very smart you know yeah that doesn't doesn't like suffer fools or whatever and he probably thought this is some idiot comic. <laughs> well like no because i'm doing stand-up yeah it's like um i think i think it was mark norman who opened up for seinfeld seinfeld's like a fan of mark norman he was telling he was telling the story about how like when he opened for seinfeld and he he did something he like he left st- he thought he was too uh he was he'd done too early so he went back on stage after oh, after doing his set they're like oh no you you finished too early and so he went back on there and seinfeld's like don't ever go back on there and so he kind of pissed off seinfeld but like uh, yeah because those guys i mean that stuff just happens i'm sure it's like they probably just yeah, forget I about mean, it like they've had you know i don't know they i guess they've earned the right to do whatever but i i was not i was like i was like fuck dennis miller <laughs> no yeah no it's yeah I'm at the sure. time but with more with more uh hindsight yeah <laughs> you also did um last comic standing so tell me your experience yeah. about that because one of the i can't remember who it was one of the comics i talked to uh said that they always try to like put you in these situations that kind of try to create drama like they'll throw you in a van with like no air conditioning like seven people just like and then uh, turn yeah. the, the keys off and just leave and just hope that like something happens like you guys start arguing or something did, did you experience that I, too yeah i don't think i ever got far enough uh you know to get to a point where they were doing stuff like that my season two was also very stand-up focused because it was okay. later in the show so it was like that was the year it was um roseanne was a judge mm. and uh keenan ivory waynes i think and russell peters and oh. i'm like i remember jb smooth was like the host and he was the greatest yeah because he would come back during like the semifinals or whatever and just give these epic like pump up speeches and he was insanely good at it and so funny and so kind of fun to watch. But yeah, I don't think I got, I got knocked out before it was any sort of like reality show type uh, drama situation. Okay. And then, and so now do you, do you mostly just do, are you kind of like a road comic? I know. I, I think you have some shows coming up in Arizona or do you do other like writing things or anything like that? No, I'm, I'm just stand up now. So like it took me a long time to figure this out of being in LA, but, think i've finally realized like i just love stand-up i think mm-hmm. you know because you get to la and you get very kind of engulfed with the whole idea of show business and sure you're like i should be a writer and i should make my own little sketches and i should film stuff i could be a director or then i could be like a sitcom star and i was chasing all that because i that was like the rules like you weren't allowed to just be a stand-up anymore mm. you know they were like no if it's not a no management or agent no one's interested in you if you're just a stand-up because Mm. it's a very limited it's a short ceiling as far as money goes as far as they're concerned and so i was doing all that stuff doing what i was supposed to do and then after a while i finally realized like oh yeah but i i don't want to do you know right yeah 
I just want to do stand-up. It's my favorite thing to do. It's so fun. I love talking to other stand-ups. I love being around stand-ups. I love doing shows. I love writing jokes. That's all I want to do. So now, like I do this, I do a podcast and I do, you know, I do yeah. some, but I do it just all with the kind of the mindset of like, I want to create a following so that I can go on the road and just do more stand-up. Right. Okay. And that was what really pushed my wife and I both. We were like, let's just get out of LA and just focus on the stuff. Hers is screenwriting and mine is stand-up and just focus on the, the literal bear down, be as good as I can get at this one thing. Right. And then That's smart. whatever happens, happens. Absolutely. So yeah. is it true that you, uh, this is kind of like Craig Gass. I don't know if you know him. He's a stand-up, but he schedules a lot of his gigs around sporting events. I think it was not just Seahawks, yeah. but Mariner games too. But you you do this too, right? You schedule a lot of your gigs around Seahawks yeah. roads, road games. Totally. So I had a, before the pandemic, I had a streak going where I had gone to a Seahawks game on the road every year for like seven or eight years in a row. And I, and I in Arizona, we used to do it both for spring training for Mariners baseball and for the Cardinals Seahawks game. Yeah. Cause there's so many comedy clubs so in fun. Arizona. You yeah. can kind of do that, you know? Right. Uh, I obviously now everything's different with the pandemic and everything. And so things have changed. I hope to get back to that. But then now, you know, I have a wife and kids and you do just kind of want to maximize profit. But yeah, I went to Lambeau the, the day after I did Conan, I think. And then I had a college oh. and I went to Lambeau to see the Seahawks. We lost, but uh, it's tough Packers. to play there. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and then you, yeah, yeah. you you did New Orleans too, right? I've never been did there. New Orleans, been to the Saints. We went to London. I didn't get a show in London. We just went to London. But oh, that's I fun. saw him play uh, the Raiders in London. I I've been to um, trying to think of uh, the other ones, but that's fun. Anyway, yeah, yeah. no, that's so really I tried, cool. If I can make it work, I usually look at the, and Craig Gass was he definitely is the originator of that and yeah, full credit. You guys have you guys he, are living uh, the dream. I, I think that's so cool to just be able to travel around and do you guys ever do shows together like or I've I've done actually you know what's funny I did a virtual show and he jumped on it oh recently uh, and I didn't even know he's gonna be on it but I I don't know if Craig uh, he was like kind of Seattle he was like already way out of Seattle by the time I started. Oh, probably. Yeah. But he was like a Seattle legend and, you know, everybody knew him and he would drop in every once in a while and he was on Stern and stuff. So yeah. people like, like, Oh my God, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he would know me or not, to be honest with you. But, what about, um, like Fahim or I think you, you did stuff with Andrew rivers before, yeah. right? And Jeff dies. Like yeah, one of your yeah, good friends. I know. yeah. Jeff is a guy I like, he was at giggles. Like right when I started, like we basically, I think I started right before he did. And, uh, yeah. So Jeff, I've known, you know, the whole time I've been doing stand up. Fahim who's is hilarious. He was kind of just above me. He had started a few years before and, mm. um, kind of wasn't at giggles as much, but I was definitely a huge fan. He was so even back then he was like, you, I remember yeah. seeing Fahim at an open mic and he had this kind of throwaway line. It's like, Cause he did some dumb joke or whatever, but he was so funny. And then he had some throwaway line. Like, Oh, I guess I won't be doing that on Conan tomorrow. You know, <laughs> and he was saying it sarcastically, you know, yeah. cause oh, he was yeah. like, so as if he was so far away, but in my head, I'm watching him like, he should be on Conan. I know. Right. Like, He's like the funniest guy I've ever seen. No, yeah. I remember seeing so, him when he was like 19 and I was like, 
Who yeah. is this? I saw him at Giggles one time and I came back the next week and I was like, I couldn't remember his name, but I was like, it's like a Middle Eastern guy. And like, oh yeah, Fahim. And he does a comedy at Bell in Bellevue. I didn't know there was a comedy club in Bellevue. Yeah, and laughs. And before yeah. there was a real comedy club, but it was like the laughs that was like in the hotel or something. That was the one that I used to go. We see him every weekend and we just, uh, and, and it's funny because every weekend we go, he'd have different material. You know, like some yeah. comedians do the same thing every week. He would always like have new stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, he's so. and still and he's still like if you follow him on Instagram and stuff, he's still like just oh yeah every day. It's, it's like content, some new yeah. hilarious. Yeah, so but you don't I, ever I, do I like a like a group tour with like multiple comedians. It's is it always better to just go solo? Well, it, that sound it, it, the group tour thing. It's it is fun. I've I've done like miniature versions of that. Like okay, I said like. You know, we've the Mariners thing and stuff yeah. with like, like, I, like when we would do spring training, right? right? Yeah. Jeff and my buddy Brian. But even back then, you know, the, the economics of it are tough because it's sure. like stand up on the road. If you're really making a living at it, it's very difficult, even if you're just taking the whole check yourself. Right. But then trying to split that up four ways and yeah. get enough people to show up to, to make all that make sense. But Unless so you don't like Burt Kreischer or whatever. But you don't get a bigger of, audience if you get more people with like with all the with all your guys' yeah, combined I mean, following. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that could be the case, but then a lot of times what happens is it's not like unless you have four if you're already a big enough draw to fill a room, right? Mm. Then just fill the room on your own and hire openers or bring openers. Right. Yeah, I guess that's whatever. true. That's Well, and cool. If you're not, it's yeah. So anyway, it's, it's tough. I would, I would love, I mean, it's fun, but it's, it's tough to make it work. Right. Yeah. Well, you, like I said, you have a, uh, the podcast, the Calvary, uh, you have the great Baxby, the album is out now. Uh, you have another podcast stand up explained. Are you still doing that one too? Yeah. Me and me and my buddy, Brant Tobler, who's a great comedian. Uh, he lives in Denver. He's, uh, we used to live in LA together roommates. He's uh, one of my best friends. Uh, he, uh, and I did a podcast kind of the beginning of the pandemic called stand up explained. And it's a great podcast. If you're like interested in stand up or ever thought yeah. about doing stand up or whatever, it's kind of like each episode or standalones. They're all kind of top, top tackle one topic topic. Or, okay. You might have a question about stand up and they're on YouTube or iTunes or whatever. And I, we, we kind of just stopped cause we were like, that's as many, we did like 37 of them or oh, something, okay. all about 45 minutes. So it's like we we pretty much covered any topic we could think of or people yeah. asked us to cover. But if we think of more, we, we might do some more. But The Cavalry is a podcast I do with Johnny Beaner, who's a hilarious comedian who lives in uh, Madison. We got to know each other. He's done Letterman and stuff. He's very funny. And uh, that one, just, it's mostly just like us talking shit. <laughs> uh, and then we have nice. guests. We have our wives on, you know, whatever. And we, yeah. we try to bring topics some of that, yeah. that we need like backup on in our life. Right. Like, things that maybe we feel kind of outvoted on and, and back each other up. So oh, nice. That's that one. And so, and, yeah, and then the album, the great Baxby, which refers to the story I told right. about the yeah. work that's out on, uh, you know, iTunes or Spotify. Yeah. I mean, anywhere. I listened on Spotify now uh, today. It was, it was great for free. So that's very cool. Oh, and then, yeah. So you're, you do you have any other future plans? You're living in Portland, right? Yeah. I live. In How Portland. is that? Cause I see Portland on, yeah, the, I used to go I, I know, there when I lived I in Seattle and I see stuff now and I go, it looks like it's changed a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. You, I've heard yeah, you say in interviews that it's, all, it's fine to you. It's like, all like, yeah, it seems fine to me. I, I It's great to me because I lived in Hollywood. I lived in L.A. I lived in yeah. little Armenian L.A. Like Portland is paradise. People 
you know, people here in Portland have complained like, oh, it's gone downhill and, you know, all this stuff. But I think everywhere right now is a little tougher with this pandemic and, sure, you know, it's causing people to be homeless and all this. So yeah. it's like, obviously, it's a big problem, but it's not like they make it look on TV. Trust me. Like most of what I see, especially in my neighborhood, is people are people are fine. It's it's very nice and it's a nice place to live. So well, good, and it's hopefully a good place to raise your family. Congrats on the the newborn baby. You just had a, a uh, is it a son or daughter? Sorry, a daughter. Daughter. Yeah, she's about a month old. Yeah, Ginger, and uh, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's very you know it's everything they say. I was hoping like in your comic, you're hoping to have like these unique observations about fatherhood and then you realize like all these cliches are just true you know it's like really it's the hardest thing you ever do but the best thing you ever do and you're gonna love them so much and it's like all that shit is just true so was I, don't, it, I don't really have was it you the one that I, I heard somebody say i thought it was an interview you did i think it was a long time ago before you had a kid but you were saying how you guys were thinking about having a kid and all your friends were saying like the, the story has changed because it used to be that where you'd say like oh, yeah you'd say like true. uh you know, like, oh, it's really hard, but it's so worth it. But now people just say, like, it's really hard. Your life is going to be ruined. And then there's no, and then you're like, wait for the, but it's worth it. Like, you're not, that, that part's gone away. Yeah. <laughs> but you're no, saying it is. I think that's it still, is. It's, yeah. Okay. I, I'm saying it is worth Good. it. But Good. I will say there's this whole group of people out there. First of all, I think the reason why our generation doesn't have his kids as much, you know, because the, the birth rate's falling right Sure. Is because everyone's too honest about it. Like, I think back in the 60s, People are like, oh, it's wonderful. It's a little bundle yeah, of joy. Yeah, yeah. No one ever t- said the real shit because they knew. Like, if we, if we ever talk about what actually happens, the, the species will die out. No, that's like keep that quiet. My cousin was saying, uh, like, you know, when you watch TV and someone has a baby and they have that curtain, you know, the the girl's legs are spread up in the gurney and they put the curtain over their legs. They're like, yeah, you know that curtain that covers the legs on the on TV. There is no curtain in real life. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. And so, but I will say that, like, then there's this whole other group of people, like the new, what my wife and I have discovered is just the just you wait people. So Mm. no matter where you are along the pregnancy, people can't wait to tell you that it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Like before you have a kid. Like, oh, just you yeah. wait. When oh, you have just kids, wait. Yeah. you won't be going out for dinner. Yeah. You won't be, you won't be having fun. It's like, I don't know. We think we will, you know, we're going to try to still travel. And then she's pregnant. And she's like, I actually feel all right. And like, just you wait. Once you get to six months, that's when the heartburn starts and you're going to feel horrible. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And then you have the kid and we're like, you know what? We've gotten her to sleep almost in four hour chunks. We're feeling, oh, just you wait. <laughs> Cause then when she gets old, she gets fussier. When they get older, yeah. you're going to hit that two month period. And so there's never any point where they're like, oh, it actually is great from here on out. They can't wait to tell you it's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> they just misery loves company, I guess. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, no, because I, I, yeah. I think it just depends on your mindset. Because I see my brother has five kids and they take trips to Hawaii. And I'm like, how do you take five kids? And two of them are like really little. And he takes them out on the on his boat and stuff, and a speedboat, and he had a newborn baby. And I don't hear him complain at all. And then, yeah, I, hear, I see yeah. people with like one kid and they're like, oh my God, it's hell. So I don't know. Yeah. I think everyone's experience is different. Usually have better lives than the rest of us. <laughs> Uh, do you have, do you have kids? I don't No, Yeah. I I would love to, uh, you know, we're we're looking at someday. I mean, we keep saying that, but, uh, eventually it might someday never may never come. So yeah, eventually I'm hoping that it does. I do want to be a father. I I think I'd be good at it. I guess I gotta, 
I got to get some things uh, sorted out first with like career and all those kinds of things. You're, you're good. Your career is going good. So you have any other future plans with career, a new album coming out or uh, tour dates? I saw yeah, you coming to well, Phoenix in a couple months. I, my plan is, uh, was before the pandemic was to record the new hour mm. as soon as I could. But now obviously it's all been pushed back, but I've been mm. doing a ton of these virtual shows. So I feel like I have the right, kind of mix of like material that'll work post pandemic plus the stuff that'll still work from the hour I was getting ready to record. So okay, the, I, when I go to Arizona, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to run it as much as I can. And then hopefully when um, things get back to normal and I can pack a place, I'll record it and have a new album out. Okay. And that's kind of my short term plan. Perfect. Just beyond that, keep doing the podcast and you know, Hope, yeah. hope things get better. Well, I'll definitely come see you when you're in uh, Arizona if I'm here. I think you're going to be at Stir Crazy in February. Yeah, so. the last weekend in February. Hopefully, uh, you know, get some more people vaccinated by then. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> but or, it's still it's still under restriction. You know, even then, I think it'll be like... Yeah, know, limited capacity out, and spaced distance. out, yeah, masks, limited. all that stuff. But so. only, it's only Friday, Saturday. So, so, I mean... Yeah. It's great. I'm happy. It'll be my first club show since the whole thing started. Oh, so. wow. Okay. Well, I'm excited yeah. to see you live. Um, and then I like to always end with a charity. Is there a charity that you work with or you want to just do a quick shout out to? Yeah. Well, this is a good, I think a good one. When my wife and I live in LA, there's a charity called the people concern and they work with uh, the homeless in Los Angeles. And I think they're like, do a really, really good job and homelessness. Obviously right now it's like even worse than ever because of, the social distancing required at shelters and stuff. They can't mm, people and, I didn't think of that. And a, a couple of that with like the economy and people losing. So anything anybody can do, I think right now to support, you know, homeless people. Yeah. So do they, what does this uh, organization do? Cause like, I always think like with homeless people, I just always, I, I want them to like get back on their feet. Like you hear these stories of people that like tell you like they were homeless and now they're doing these great things. And it's like, I, I love to hear those kind of stories. Do they, do they help people kind of, you know, get their yeah, lives organized? They help, they help at every point, you know, Good. So it's like, That's awesome. right. When it's like, you can't just, it's two things, I think. Cause I always think people are like, you know, well they need, um, they need like, mental services, mental health services, big they time need drug yeah. counseling or something. And that's true. But then also they need somewhere to live, you know, they need like an <laughs> right. actual roof over yeah. their head well, because it's hard to do one without the other. It's yeah. hard to like go. It's hard to stay in a place, one place without mental health services or without yes. drug and alcohol. Counseling. No, that's true. But then it's also hard to do the counseling and accept the services when you don't have a roof over your head because yeah, you're thinking about other stuff. You know, if you're out on the street, it's, it's hard to go, a, yeah. oh, I've got my two o'clock appointment here <laughs> in an hour. I better get... <laughs> right, you yeah. Know what I mean? like, it's a catch-22 because a lot, sometimes... You kind of need both. Yeah, when you things. have mental health issues or when you're, when you're doing dealing with drugs, like, you don't want to be in a shelter or you, like, some of them... It's like, do you ever see that movie with uh, Jamie Foxx where he's, like, the brilliant musician and he's homeless and Robert Downey Jr. like hits him with a car and he's like, he tries to set him up in this really nice apartment and stuff. And then Jamie Foxx just goes back on the street. Cause like, that's what he's used to. And like, you know, he has mental health yeah. issues and he just, that's what he feels like. He doesn't understand why he'd want to live in an apartment. And it's like so sad, but so, yeah. yeah, I think it's like an all hands on deck. That's kind of good. Situation where Very cool. You want to have, you want to have <sighs> more housing, more beds, more shelters, more, 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 but then also like couple that with, 
Absolutely. Uh, counseling. What is the uh, organization called again? Sorry, I'll put it in the notes. The people Concern. People yeah, yeah, Concern. Yeah, yeah, it's a great organization. Look into it. And, Very cool. You know, I know people, per, actually a, a comic from Seattle, Andy Peters. Yeah, I his, remember him. Uh, wife uh, works with that organization. So mm-hmm. that's how I know it's uh, legit. Awesome. Very cool. My wife would go to some of their events. But That's yeah. great. Okay. So yeah, if people can uh, throw a few bucks that way, that'd be great. And uh, definitely go on your website, follow you on social media. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for doing this, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This was fun. All right. Go Hawks. All right. Go Hawks. Yeah. Hopefully we win this weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. See ya. See you, man. Bye-bye. I told you he was funny. Uh, such a nice guy too. I want to thank Andrew for coming on my show today. Uh, make sure to check out his website and social media to keep up with him. He's got new material coming out. A uh, new album, I think, is going to be in the works. And likely he'll be coming to a town near you once it's safe to do so. He also posts a lot of funny stuff on his social media and YouTube. Uh, so check that out. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, you should check out some of the other episodes with comedians. I've had on uh, Mark Norman, Fahim Anwar, Andrew Rivers, lots of other great comedians. Uh, and if you want to uh, show your support... You can like and share the show on your social media, or if you really want to go all out, uh, you can write me a review on iTunes because uh, that'll really help with the algorithm and it helps people find the podcast and the search results. Uh, so thank you so much for listening and making it all the way through this episode. Until next time, remember, shoot for the moon. <laughs> <laughs>